Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello again. Uh, this is Dave Mailer, and I'm um, doing a guest spot for Mary Guidus for her podcast, Take This Poem. And I guess I've decided to be a little shameless this time. I'm going to do a, a reading of three poems, um, two of which circle around one of mine. <clears throat> and, um, you know, my poem is called Pat Describes an Elk Bugling. And I refer to two other poems in my poem. And so I figured I would, I would read you those. Uh, one of them is by a poet named Mike McGriff, uh, or Michael McGriff. He's a, he's a really interesting poet. Um, he's written a number of books of poems. And um, he grew up in Coos Bay. And his subject matter is is working class and redneck and just sort of, you know, what it's like to be on the margins um, of poverty and rural Oregon. And, uh, and he, he's a brilliant guy. He went to Stanford. He's teaching at University of Idaho, Moscow right now. I think he probably took uh, Robert Wrigley's job um, or, you know, at least he's a poet in residence there. Robert Wrigley retired recently and his latest book is Eternal Sentences. I, I have two favorites of his. I've, I've read most of the books of poems. He's got a couple others that were, one was sort of like uh, movie reviews that he and his roommate from Stanford put together they decided to watch, um, oh, what is that, uh, what is that, um, you know, it's a famous cinema um, collection, the Criterion Collection, yeah, so he, he and his roommate sat around watching movies, and then they were just making up these reviews, you know, um, I think kind of not necessarily entirely serious, or I haven't read the books, so I'm not positive, but, but I Anyway, that's another one of his books. Um, his two favorite books of poems are Home Burial and Eternal Sentences. And the poem I'm going to read to you from is from Eternal Sentences, and that's, his, I think, his most recent book of poems. And that came out in uh, 2021. And Billy Collins chose it for the Miller, Miller Williams Poetry Prize. Um, and so, you know, I think Mike has deservedly so, kind of winning the big time um, a little bit. I mean, I think he's got a secure reputation. Um, so anyway, let me read his poem, Elk in the Field. Also, you know, maybe I should say this before I read that. Um, he, so, so the book is called Eternal Sentences, and each of these poems in this book are made up of single sentences. Each line is a sentence. And 
they're really, really brief poems. Uh, I think I heard in an interview that he was inspired by Larry Brown, who is a short story writer from the South, um, who was a fireman and also wrote short stories and novels. And so he read a story of Larry Brown's, and then he decided, to, you know, he liked he liked the story so much because it was in single sentences written. You know, it's a story that's almost like a poem where it's just each line, each each. You know, it's a short sentence, short sentence, short sentence. And so he decided to basically write, a, you know, a bunch of poems using that as his restriction in his form. So that's basically what eternal sentences is. And so anyway, that's my introduction for Mike, um, who's, a, who's a good good guy, man. I, I wrote him and he wrote me back. He was very kind. So, um Anyway, this is called Elk in the Field. When I was six, the elk came. They left swirls of blue light where they rested. Their calls were thin old women blowing on cut grass. After they left, we took their places. We called the matted down grass a ghost nest. It stayed warm there for hours. The sun drank little bits of us. I remember the black teeth of one man. He split wood for our cedar fence. He told us everything we did was bad luck. He opened wide. He said, how do you think I got this way? So that's Mike McGriff um, and his poem, elk in the field and then um, I already read a series of uh, Chris Dombrowski poems but I I left one out and so I wanted to read you this this other one that is another favorite in my in in rag and anthem um, it's called bull elk in October River the elk was a boulder the Blackfoot flowed around, spooked granite with tines and steaming nostrils. Musk, the water wept away. Reflection of honeysuckle gone to seed, morphing, albinistic, stirred silt-like downstream. The light smelled the way the frost feels, melting between two fingers and a blade of grass. Whatever harried the bull slinked through the kinnikinnick, more fearsome, hidden, than it had been bearing fangs. I scanned the aspen trunks for fur, scanned quaking shade through high-end optics, wagered wolf duo pinning prey between banks, though it could have been a cat, a camouflaged man in a stand. In time, the antlered boulder walked ashore with dripping hide, its reflection sinking, weightless as a worry, to the cobbles. My own worry remained vague, though it tracked me through winter, constant as current, though I had no name for it, perhaps because I had no name for it. And again, that was Chris Dombrowski. Um... And that, that poem was 
Bull Elk and October River. Okay, so um, all of that was kind of a setup to read my own poem. And again, this is a very shameless exploitation of Mary's podcast for my own ends. Um, okay, so Pat describes an elk bugling. Pat is a co-worker. He's actually my co-driver. We both drive semis around the landfill in Hillsboro. Um, and a lot of times, <laughs> I don't know if I should confess this, but, you know, the first half hour of every day we, we spend drinking, <laughs> drinking coffee. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we show up at 530. <laughs> we don't get started at work until 6. And, uh, so most of the time, you know, we're, we're just talking to each other, um, about whatever, um, you know, family, church, um, in this case, hunting, or, you know, he's a, Pat is a, is, um, he's a good man, um, and he's an avid hunter. He's an archer. He loves archery. He and his wife both and has four kids. And anyway, so this morning I asked him a question. I've just asked, what is it about elk? No, that was another friend, Craig, who texted back. Elk are light and heavy, buoyant, weighty creatures somehow light on their feet. More specifically, after showing Pat a Mike McGriff poem early on a late October morning before work, while his eyes are still squenched, barely open, he agreed Elk must be poetic, if anything is. And he's not one who traffics in poetry, but humors me and McGriff. And a second later, offer a Dombrowski piece in the same vein, but even better, I thought acknowledging any attentions to elk might be worthy. It was then I asked, not at all sure what I expect him to say, what does an elk sound like when it bugles? Immediately, voice awake and eyes open, both filled with awe because he has decided to take me there. Like the head of a god, it rips through the underbrush, first shaking, then tearing. Ah, branches fierce branches coming out of his own head, hide plastered with mud because he's been rolling in it, snot running, spraying from his nostrils, ribcage heaving, breath in and out, loud with steam. Then he tears off a bugle, looking for you. It's wild, not human. Thirty feet away, all he wants to do is spot you, then kill you. You've pursued this animal three miles up into a ravine after hearing his bugle echo from that far away. You're trying to engage this elk from behind a tree or a stand of trees. That's really all you have between him and you. You are this irritation, distraction, a threat to his herd and his dominance, and that is everything. He's barely even been eating while in rut. Suddenly he's 30 feet away and he rips off a bugle, He's jerking his head through underbrush, crashing through branches, eyes rolled up in his head, no fear, but anger. 
snot spraying out of his nostrils, coat covered in mud, and it's unbelievable. You tell yourself to calm down, to stop shaking. He was sitting in his chair before, now he's standing and imitates violent trembling. His only intention at this moment is to kill you. He is a beast, screaming, in some way womanly, but very much male too. He's got a cow in estrus and he's all wound up. Satellite bulls orbit the herd, circling, waiting for their chance and his distraction to move in on that cow and the herd, the bugling bulls protecting. But all of his attention right now is focused on you, your unwelcome presence and challenge. You are never quite in your element. Andrew has walked in, clocks in, hears Pat talking, begins nodding, adding his bit about half-starved elk, too busy to even eat during rut. Then is when I realize I must be the only male on site who's never participated in an actual elk hunt. My interactions with elk have all involved moving vehicles, <clears throat> trying to miss and not to kill them. My mind drifts to the book I'm reading, all this elk talk bringing to mind a wrinkled brow and a crooked jaw, the wise ferocity of a white bull sperm whale, ancient hide shaggy with corroded harpoons and corkscrewed lances, trailing frayed ropes. My favorite thing is to pack meat out, that feeling of accomplishment after a difficult hike out, the camaraderie and the herd of it, Pat is saying, and something to Andrew and me about bone sour. When meat gets left on the bone and not cooled off quick enough, so it has this bad taste from the inside out. First thing you do after cutting it up is find a creek to cool it off, then hang what's left. Whatever you can't place in black trash bags to carry out. I wish I'd thought to record this, I say. Pat knows I'll write all of this down. It's what I do. He's also aware of my fear of losing just the right words, so he says, Don't worry about it too much, laughs. When you're trying to remember how to describe it, just imagine a powerful creature with trees growing out of its head. We step out in morning dark, part ways heading to our parked idling trucks. These mechanical partners, not so very different from whales. Little lights glow and beaming. And finally this can't wait to take my kids out. Part of my vision for this podcast was to have it be interactive. I pictured a virtual bonfire poetry reading where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. If there's a poem that has done some action in your everyday life, surprised you, delighted you, or maybe just more quietly worked its way into your bones, you know I would love to hear about it. Email me at takethispoempodcast at gmail.com and let me know your story. Maybe you can join me in sharing it with others as well.